Today on Blue 58, the Packers begin their 2023 season in really the only way they possibly could, by facing off against the Chicago Bears. After all, if you're going to start something new, why not turn to something old? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. It's here. Week one is finally here, and with it, the Packers face the Bears to start not just the 2023 season, but the post-Aaron Rodgers era. And I choose those words carefully, because I don't think we can quite call it the Jordan Love era just yet. Part of this season is going to be deciding if we are, in fact, in the Love era or not. Is he going to be the guy, or is he not? Is he somebody the Packers really do believe they can build around, or is he not? All indications from this preseason so far are that, yes, he is. He does look like the guy the Packers thought he was or thought he could be, and it looks like he's someone they can feel comfortable building around. But while we're not in the wait-and-see portion of the Jordan Love experience anymore, we still do need to see it. We need to see it on a week-in, week-out basis, a drive-in, drive-out basis, play-in, play-out basis, consistency, just doing it week after week after week, drive after drive after drive, play after play after play. It is time to see it. And really, it's fitting that all of this gets going against the Bears. You look back throughout Packers history, a lot of big things started with the Bears, Vince Lombardi's first game as the head coach of the Packers was against the Bears. Aaron Rodgers, back in 2008, actually made his first start against the Vikings, but his first start of the 2009 season, where things really started to come together for him, was against the Bears. And there was a spectacular ending to that one, too. So Jordan Love might as well kick things off against the Bears, too. But who are these Bears, anyway? They are quite different than what we saw a year ago. Just by one measure, free agency, we'll get to the notable names in a second, but just in terms of the raw numbers, the Bears signed 17, 17 outside free agents this spring. Most of the notable names fall on defense. Linebacker Tremaine Edmonds from Buffalo is a popular mock draft target for the Packers back in 2018. Linebacker T.J. Edwards from Philadelphia. Defensive end Demarcus Walker from Tennessee. Defensive end Yannick Ngakwe comes over from Indianapolis. He's now played for half of the NFC North after spending just a few weeks with the Minnesota Vikings a couple of years ago. For a very good pass rusher, he can't stay, seem to stay in one place for very long. Already on his sixth NFL team in his eighth season in the NFL. On offense, they've added quite a few names, too. The ones you care about are Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis. They've also added DJ Moore. He came over via a trade with the Carolina Panthers. We'll talk about him a little bit in a second. But the point is, this is a markedly different Bears team. And that gives us a chance to talk about one of my favorite things when it comes to team building, team life cycles. You build, you grow, and you either sustain it because it's working, or you tear it down and start again. And we've been doing this podcast long enough that we've seen both the Packers and other teams in the NFC North and elsewhere go through multiple versions of this kind of growth and rebirth cycle. 
Rewind back to 2018 when this podcast was still pretty new. In fact, that was the first season we started doing multiple podcasts per week, including the, the post-game recap pods. The Bears had loaded up that offseason. New, new head coach Matt Nagy was in town. They traded for Khalil Mack. That was a big deal. Basically, everything that they had done was to try to catch the Packers. Packers were on top. Packers had been on top in the NFC North for quite a while. And everything the Bears were doing was done in an effort to unseat the Packers. They couldn't quite get there in week one, as you probably remember. But by the end of the season, they had clearly surpassed the Packers. The Bears were ascending. The Packers were descending. The next season, the Packers hired Matt LaFleur, went on a bit of a spending spree of their own, and took things back. That's how that life cycle went. And the Packers were ascending then for a few years again until the past couple of years, well, really just the past year, they've kind of been on a downward ebb again. So now here we are. Both the Bears and Packers seem to be in transition. So the question for me, as we enter week one, is who enters their more fully realized form first? Because that's probably the answer to who's going to win in week one? The answer is, I don't know. And really, I think anybody who tells you otherwise is lying. Because the first quarter of the season is basically figuring out who you are. Then the middle two quarters of the season are about kind of refining that as you prepare for the stretch run. And then the last month of the season, last maybe six weeks of the season, you're really making that playoff push as you try to put everything together. But as of right now, two things I think are true. Nobody really knows who they are yet, at least not really. They know who they would like to be. Just look at the Packers, for, for example. They've got a bunch of young skill position players, uh, a young quarterback, and a pretty solid offensive line, at least just looking at offense. In theory, the Packers are going to count on Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to be moving the ball while they put Jordan Love in a situation where he doesn't necessarily have to win the game himself, but can rely on schemed open looks to the Packers' speedy skill position players, and they'll move the ball and score points that way. That is who the Packers would like to be. But what they actually are is probably going to be slightly or possibly extremely different from that for a few reasons. First, what happens if any of those noteworthy skill position players get injured? What if, say, I don't know, just to use a relevant example, Christian Watson is unavailable to go in week one or any other game this season? That changes a lot of your offensive identity because you don't really have your deep threat there anymore, and you can't build off of anything that Christian Watson brings to your offense. What if Luke Musgrave takes a little while to really get his feet under him? What if he can't really contribute until the last third of the season? Well, there's potentially two big spots that you're down. If Christian Watson is hurt and Luke Musgrave isn't ready to go early in the season, suddenly there's a lot of extra weight that has to be pulled by guys like Aaron Jones and Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs and everybody else. You understand how that kind of turns into a domino effect. So who the Packers would like to be and who they end up being might be two very different things, and that is true for every team in the NFL. But it's also true that nobody really knows who anybody else is either. I've been listening to, and I know I'm, I'm way behind on this, but the, the great Play Callers podcast from The Athletic, 
And one of the things that stuck out to me is Sean McVay talking about how quickly everybody adapted the the defensive scheme that was required to beat his version of the West Coast offense. So he's running all the the play action, all the wide zone stuff, all the stuff that we're basically familiar with, with what the Packers have run the past few years because Matt LaFleur is from that Shanahan-McVay offensive tree. How quickly the defenses that stopped that offense spread throughout the league made it so that they couldn't really count on anyone running things that they were familiar with. So he talked about playing Washington early one season. Might have been 2018 or 2019. doesn't really matter. But playing them early that season, you expect Ron Rivera to come out. He's going to run his Ron Rivera defense, the same things that he's always done, the same schemes, the same looks, same tendencies, that sort of thing, because that's how the NFL works. People just run what they've always run, except Rivera had seen what worked against Sean McVay's offense and adapted those same principles. And suddenly Sean McVay, brilliant offensive mind though he is, is standing there on the sideline thinking, well, shoot, we had no tape on this because this is something completely new for Ron Rivera. And that is just one small example, but that happens early in the season to every NFL team. You're just going off your best guess, and your best guess really is is very little more than an educated guess. You really don't know what people are going to do. They've added all these new pieces in the offseason. They've changed philosophy. They've changed play callers. They've changed their scheme. And you don't really know how it's going to all fit together. And they don't really know how it's all going to fit together. And anybody who tells you otherwise, again, is lying to you. There are so many moving parts and so many little changes. And it's all coming together so fast that it barely makes any sense. So you kind of just have to wait and see. So, most of these early season previews, at least as far as we're concerned, are going to be more about the Packers than about any other team. But we can say some things about the other team until we get some idea what these teams are. So let's talk about the Chicago Bears. What's important about the Bears is who they were last year and how they've tried to build into something different this year. The Bears last year were not very good. And not only were they bad, but they were also unlucky. They were 23rd in points scored, 32nd in points allowed, which normally would be bad enough, but looking at the one-game or one-score games numbers that we always do, they were 1-6 in in one-score games. Typically, they'd be about 3-4 or 4-3, right in that, you know, about coin flip range. Instead, 1-6, not just bad, but also unlucky. And their expected win-loss numbers kind of bear that out. By point differential alone, they should have been about 5-12 last year. Instead, the worst record in the NFL. On offense, the Bears rely on former Packers coach Luke Getze in his second year now as their offensive coordinator. He has his work cut out for him, but should have more to work with this year. Uh, The Bears added a couple of our pre-draft targets, including Darnell Wright on the offensive line and Tyler Scott, a wide receiver out of Cincinnati, both of whom we thought would be decent fits with the Packers. They end up in Chicago. Of course, all of this hinges on Justin Fields, the quarterback. Heading into his third season, it hasn't been great through two years. And that makes me feel some complicated feelings, because as a Packers fan, it makes me very happy to see the Bears quarterback be miserable and bad. But as a football fan... It makes me sad because I want non-traditional players to succeed because I want teams to win in different ways because I think that's more entertaining and I think it's better for the sport because I think you get more innovation that way. 
And Justin Fields, for all of his athletic greatness, I think is a non-traditional quarterback. He's not a drop-back passer. He's not even, you know, somebody who, who runs like a West Coast, you know, bootleg Sean McVay type scheme system. He's going to run. That's his whole deal because it hasn't worked as a passer. He completed just over 60% of his passes last year, about 2,200 yards, 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. But as we said, certifiably dangerous runner. 160 rushing attempts, just over 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns, including touchdown runs of 55, 61, and 67. He can run, but he has to get better as a passer across the board or none of it is going to matter. Even a small improvement as a passer would go a long way toward helping the Bears' offense be better. How is he going to do that? There's really two ways your quarterback can get better. First, he can just get better at the things a quarterback is supposed to do, and Justin Fields certainly could do that. He could become a more accurate passer. He could make better decisions. He could do better with the process of being a quarterback, all of those things. Or, or perhaps, and, you could just add better players around him. And that's one of the things that the the Bears did when they traded for DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore is more or less custom-built to help Justin Fields succeed, or at least help the Bears' offense succeed at ginning up a little bit more passing efficiency. Looking at his career arc to date, DJ Moore does two things pretty well. He catches the ball downfield, and he gets yards after the catch which is a pretty rare combination because you don't always see guys who are getting the ball downfield doing a lot after the catch because generally once you get the ball downfield, either you're getting tackled with the ball or it's it's already a score, so you're not doing a ton after the catch. But Moore has consistently performed in both areas, and that I think is a way that the, the Bears can create a little bit more offensive efficiency if they are able to unlock those same traits in Chicago that field or that excuse me that more displayed in Carolina can they do it well that remains to be seen it's going to be tough for the Packers to stop something like that unless they get some really great efforts from their cornerbacks Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas the Packers have to stop the Bears passing attack at that point because I think if you're going to rely on your safeties to really get things done against deep threats in the NFL. As of right now, we have no reason to think the Packers secondary can do that because as of right now, I'm not sure we have any NFL players at safety on the Packers. Still waiting to see who can, who can step up and really own that role. There's also the the, the possibility that the Packers just stop the Bears by just pass rushing them to death. For all of his greatness as a runner last year, Fields did have a tendency to run himself into sacks. He was sacked a league-leading 55 times last year. And if the Packers can do anything to slow down the Bears' offense, it's putting them in undesirable down-and-distance situations, getting pass pressure. That will take care of a lot of the things that the Bears' offense does well. On defense, we've got to talk about two guys here. Matt Eberflus is the head coach, though he's not the coordinator. But I mention him because I think he's noteworthy as a defensive mind in the NFL. He got his first coaching gig as a linebacker's coach under Eric Mangini in Cleveland, then was a linebacker's coach with the Dallas Cowboys, then worked as the defensive coordinator with the Indianapolis Colts, then finally got a head coaching gig with the Chicago Bears. 
Now, along the way, he was also a part of a bunch of different schemes, ran 3-4 base defenses, ran 4-3 base defenses, and I think that's noteworthy because his defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, who calls the plays on defense, is much the same. And I think it's also noteworthy that Williams has a background as a secondary coach because that's how most defenses are built now. It's more about are you a cover two or cover three or cover four type team, how do you how often do you get into your nickel and dime packages than are you a 4-3 or a 3-4 team? I think that's really how you have to think about defenses in the NFL now. 4-3 and 3-4 really does not matter. What are you doing in the secondary and how do you build back to front from there is really more of a defining trait of your defense. Williams has been a secondary coach almost everywhere he's been. This is now his second year as the Bears defensive coordinator, was also the Vikings defensive coordinator in 2012 and 2013. Not exactly high watermarks for the Vikings defensively, honestly, but uh, he does have experience as a defensive coordinator now in his fourth season as an NFL DC. If you're talking about players you should know about, three in the secondary, two up front. Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker, the Bears' safeties, are their most notable players deep along with corner Jalen Johnson. If I was the Bears, I would worry about shutting down the Packers through the air, really forcing them to try to commit to beating me on the ground. If it turns out that Christian Watson can't play, I would throw everything that I possibly could at stopping Romeo Dobbs and say, pick somebody else, make him beat us. Uh, up, up front, there's two guys you should probably be aware of. One guy I want to mention just because he was someone we liked in the pre-draft process, Jervon Dexter out of Florida, a nice traits and production pros, uh, prospect, though not quite as productive as some of the other defensive linemen that we looked at in the in the pre-draft process. He was a second-round pick. Also, Unique Ngakwe, a archetypal example of the mercenary pass rusher, just gets results wherever he goes. He's always above 10% in pressure rate, always putting up good sack numbers. I would kind of liken him to a poor man's Dwight Freeney. If you remember uh, back late in Freeney's career, he bounced around a bunch. I still got results everywhere he went, even though he was always small, always a little bit undersized, but still just put up numbers wherever he went. May not have been great against the run, but he was elite against the pass, and that's really what you're looking for from those pass rushers. Guys who can get results, and Gakwe can get results, and he has everywhere that he's gone. Where should the Packers attack then? I think ideally, if Christian Watson were healthy, you would stretch vertically and work Luke Musgrave and Romeo Dobbs and the backs underneath, as well as sprinkling in a heavy dose of your various run schemes. I think the Packers are going to run a lot more power, a lot more duo, a lot more inside, you know, gap-oriented stuff than they've run before. But I'm not sure the Packers can do that yet if Watson is, isn't healthy and if everybody else isn't quite as far along as they might need them to be to run that. So I think if I was Matt LaFleur, I'd be tempted to just stick with the the wide zone stuff, make them run and chase, and then make them keep up side to side. Even without Christian Watson, the Packers have plenty of speed on offense, at least if you want to stretch people horizontally. Make them run with you and let Jordan Love make good decisions from there. A quick note on special teams, Bears kicker is Cairo Santos. His fourth season with the Bears has been remarkably accurate over his previous three seasons there has converted 90% of his kicks over three seasons with the Chicago Bears. He has never missed inside of 40 yards and is 6 of 10 from 50 or more yards downfield. Their punter is Trenton Gill. He's in his second year with the Bears and his second year in the NFL overall. I really have nothing to add about the punter other than that, according to Pro Football Reference, his nickname is the Guillotine, which is something you may want to file away as a fun fact you can mention during the the game if you're watching it with friends or family on Sunday. 
and, and I, I'm not mispronouncing that. It's not guillotine. It's it's written out as guillotine, which uh, bothers the grammarian in me. But uh, I get you know, also a hearty vote of internal approval just for the the fun nickname there too. Anything that we can do to jazz up the the life of punters and kickers, I think, is a, a vote or a, a step in the right direction. Uh, kick returner and punt returner are Velas Jones Jr. and Trent Taylor, respectively. Jones averaged 27.6 yards per return on 22 returns last year. Put an asterisk next to that, though, because it remains to be seen how the new kick return rules are going to affect kickoffs this year. Uh, as you remember, you can fair catch anywhere inside, I think it's the 20 or the 25-yard line, and it counts as a touchback. We will see how people actually play that in the early portions of this season, especially Keyshawn Nixon. He says he never wants to fair catch anything. We'll see how Rich Bisaccia feels about that. Taylor, meanwhile, the punt returner, averaged 10.3 yards per return on 33 punt returns for the Bengals last year. Packers last saw the Bears in week 13 of the 2022 season, beat them 28-19 to in what would turn out to be Aaron Rodgers' last game against the Chicago Bears as their de facto owner, though they may get another chance to play uh, against the Bears, uh, that he has relocated his ownership to the New York Jets. Uh, the Bears actually led the Packers 19-10 to heading into the fourth quarter, but the Packers scored 18 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, thanks to a 20-yard touchdown run by A.J. Dillon, a 46-yard touchdown run by Christian Watson, as well as a two-point conversion from Mercedes Lewis and a field goal from Mason Crosby. Keyshawn Nixon sealed it with an interception late, and that was all she wrote as the Packers handled the Chicago Bears. Now, how do the Packers win this game? I think there are three things the Packers have to do to win this game. Right now, I'm operating under the assumption that Christian Watson isn't going to play, did not practice today. So I think the first thing the Packers have to do is protect Jordan Love. And I mean this more than just not letting him get sacked or hit or whatever. They have to have a game plan that protects him. Don't allow him to get too overextended. Defensively, they got to keep it close just so Jordan Love doesn't necessarily have to do too much. The nerves are going to be there. He's got to have some time to settle in, have a game plan that protects him, get him some early, easy completions, let him settle in, and then turn him loose from there if things are going well. Related to that, I think the Packers have to let Aaron Jones carry things early. Now, the the Bears' run defense wasn't great last year. I think we can operate under the assumption that it's not going to be necessarily as bad this year, but still shouldn't be necessarily a world beater, though I think the, the two linebacker signings will probably help a little bit with that. But I think Aaron Jones needs to carry things early, both as a receiver and as a runner. Building the game plan around Aaron Jones seems like a wise thing to do. Then, however the Packers can, I think they need to steal some big plays. Get weird, get a little bit unexpected, do some things that people haven't seen before. Got to remember, the Packers are running not a completely new offense, but they're going to be running it in a way that people haven't seen before. You don't have any tendencies with Jordan Love as your quarterback. The last time people saw him in extended action, and I'm not even counting the Eagles game as extended action because he was coming in cold there, was the 2021 game against the Chiefs. That guy is long gone. That guy is was young. This guy is older. This guy is matured. This guy has more NFL football under his belt. He doesn't have the same tendencies, hopefully, that that guy did, just because things are different. Time has passed. So use that lack of knowledge from your opponents to do some things that are unexpected, whether that's a trick play, something that looks a little bit unusual, something that looks like something the Packers wouldn't necessarily run. Just don't be afraid to get a little bit weird. So are the Packers going to win or lose this one? 
It pains me to say it, but I think the Bears are probably just a touch more ready than the Packers right now. If Christian Watson was healthy, I think I'd take the Packers in a heartbeat, but I think now I default to the home team, and I think the Bears are going to win a close one in this one, just because I think the the Bears are just a little bit further along with who they are as a team. The pieces that they have sprinkled in this offseason, well, maybe not sprinkled, more like dump trucked in this offseason with the amount of money that they threw around in free agency, I think have a better chance of gelling with what they had in place than what the Packers did. The Packers are trying to build a lot more from scratch than I think the Bears were, even if the Bears were just signing a whole bunch of guys. I think the, the Bears are just a little bit further along right now. Again, I say that knowing all the things I said earlier, that nobody really knows anything about these teams right now. And I would be happy, even thrilled to be wrong. And I hope the Packers set the tone early this season with a convincing win over the Bears. I just have a hard time seeing it right now because I think taking Christian Watson out of the lineup just means that much to this team. They have so, it so dramatically uh, reduces the number of ways that they can attack the Bears, especially if the Bears really key off on, on Romeo Dobbs and slowing him down you start really quickly having to rely on rookies, you know, Luke Musgrave, Malik Heath, and a running game that isn't going to be, well, if, if the Bears are scoring points, may not be able to keep up to the extent that the Packers need them to to keep them in the game. I think the Bears do win a close one, but I don't think that necessarily says much about how the Packers season as a whole is going to play out. I'll leave you with this, kind of related to that final note there. I think whoever wins the second matchup is going to tell us a lot more about these two teams than the first one. And it's really fitting, and I think nice, poetic even, that the Packers don't see the Bears until week 18 for a second time. They'll start the season with the Bears, and they'll finish the season with the Bears, potentially, if all things go well, with a playoff berth on the line. It'll be at Lambeau Field, The Packers will have a chance to do what they couldn't do last season, finish the year off with a win, get into the playoffs, and start what could turn out to be the Jordan Love era with a trip to the playoffs in a very young team. What's important right now is that we're about to start off on this journey, and I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you're along with us. I'm excited that we get to talk actual football here for a few months. Instead of hypotheticals, what could have been, what should have been, what shouldn't have been. Now here we are. We get to see exactly what happens with the Packers, with the Bears, with this franchise on Sunday. And I can't wait to talk about it with you. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. It's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.